This is The Marriage Podcast, and I'm your host, Alexandra Stockwell. I'm a physician turned relationship and intimacy expert, and I specialize in showing couples how to have incredible, passionate relationships. I myself have been married for 25 years. My husband and I have four children and full professional lives, and we've created an amazing relationship. If you want to deepen your understanding of your own relationship and learn to access new heights of emotional, sensual and erotic intimacy you're in the right place because i will show you how let's dive in hey everyone this is alexandra and we are in for a treat because in about one week my husband rod and i will be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary that's right we got married in 1996 when both of us were 28 years old. So in this episode, I wanna bring Rod into the conversation and share how it is that we started really not knowing what was involved in having an outstanding, passionate relationship. And here we are 25 years later, definitely enjoying one. So first of all, welcome, sweetheart. Thank you. It's good to be here. You know, I say a lot about the flavors, the qualities, the experience of being in our marriage. I'd love for you to say something. How do you experience our marriage right now? Well, I feel like we spent this time building. We spent, we, we really were deliberate in cultivating and working on our marriage like we were building a house together and now we finally get to live in it this house that we envisioned together and chose what was going to be in each room and how we were going to structure things you know the place that we used to live in was all haphazard and mismatched but we kind of built our dream house together uh after, you know designed it and then built it and now we get to live in it Okay, what a beautiful image. And it's particularly apt because, as you recall, one of our very first dates, we were both in medical school. We'd been in medical school for, I don't know, about a month or six weeks on Long Island. And we went into Manhattan in New York City and we were walking around. We spent a few hours there. And then the next day, I remember saying something about, oh, you know that woman that we saw with that amazing blue hat? Because for me, it was so memorable. Of course, you would remember and we could have a conversation about it. And you're like, no, I don't remember that. And then I asked you about that man who had the cigar that with that like bright pink sticker on his jacket. Like so memorable to me. It was like having been there, of course you'd remember it. And every single thing that I brought up like that, you're like, uh, I didn't notice. I didn't remember. I'm not sure what you're referring to. And so then I got curious and I said, well, what were you paying attention to? What are the things that you remember from our time together? And you said, 
I said the architecture and the buildings. That's what I was looking at as we were walking around Manhattan. It was all these incredible buildings and the differences between the architecture and what people chose to put in the windows. And it was a whole different, I didn't even notice the people we were walking by. I just take them for granted because there's so many people in New York. <laughs> and that was in a way the beginning of it all because I assumed, like it just wasn't even a question in my mind that anyone who was with me in that location would have noticed, not necessarily every person I saw, but some of these very dramatic characters. And you hadn't perceived a single one, and yet we were there together. And you had this whole other experience where your attention was on the architecture. And honestly, I'd noticed some of the shadows and the way the buildings are. Of course, I'd noticed some, but I didn't take it in enough to have a kind of nuanced reflective conversation about our shared experience. So we enjoyed the day so much and we had such different experiences. We had totally different days. <laughs> yeah, and so that was kind of important, radical, funny, and it somehow makes me smile that now you use an architectural analogy to describe the state of our marriage as it is, where I would never do that. I would definitely talk about the experience of being a person in it. So there you have it. That's how we started. And um, I do enjoy thinking of it as our dream home built with intentionality like that totally resonates as a description of what I experience as well. In fact, I feel like leaning over and making out, but we're going to stick to our conversation <laughs> here. <laughs> I know that when we got married, there was a part of me that loved you deeply, really believed in, in us. And then there was another part of me that was just sure that, of course, we would get divorced. I couldn't really picture anything different. My parents were divorced when I was nine, yours when you were six. And I just had no reference point. I mean, my grandparents had a 50-year marriage, but I knew our relationship was not going to be like theirs. And there just were so many things that I didn't know, because here we are anticipating celebrating our 25th, and I have complete conviction that God willing, we're both alive, that we will be celebrating our 50th. Like I have long since shed the belief that we will get divorced. That's something that I would have liked to tell my younger self. And I'm wondering if together we can kind of layer in what, what have we learned that if we'd known it earlier, it would be helpful. What's something that comes to mind for you? That's a really interesting question because I feel like it's been such an evolution that, you know, we did the best we could with the pieces that we had at the beginning. And then it really was because of how I grew as a person and how you grew as a person that then we could also remodel our relationship after a certain point. But if I was to speak to my younger self, I think what I would try to offer is some confidence because I remember when we had that conversation about Manhattan, that at that time, I did not feel confident that my architectural point of view about the world was as valid as your 
person focused point of view. I've, I had a tendency at that point to diminish my own perspective and to think that yours or someone else's was more important. So the biggest advice or one of the biggest advice I would give to my younger self is to have confidence that my point of view is equally valid because that it turned out to be a much better foundation to build our house on. Okay. And, you know, honestly, continuing the architectural analogy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I got it. And actually, I don't remember it, but it is very, very likely that I thought my point of view was more important and better than yours as well. It's not just that you thought it wasn't. So I agree that has been so, so, so important for you to trust yourself and be confident and for me to trust you. That is not just some like snap your fingers, shift your mindset, say, I am confident, I am confident, I am confident every day. Like, what would you say were some of the most important ingredients in creating that pivot in such a thorough embodied just a thorough embodied way that feels like the truth. And I think many people, if they met you now, it just would be impossible to know how uncertain you felt back then. Because if you think of a, a police dog, we can't smell the lack of confidence on you anymore. <laughs> yeah. So like, what are, it's, I'm not really asking like, how to do it. I'm asking you to describe if there are a few moments that you see as the times when you pivoted in order to go so strong in the direction you've gone towards like claiming your rightness and being confident and I knowing think were, what you want. I think there were two things. One was having the experience in my work life when we weren't working together, we, you were doing your thing and I was doing my thing. So in my work life, I had the experience of people looking up to me, valuing my point of view, and then it made it easier for me to feel that myself. And then it was the point where we were being coached by someone else on the building of our relationship that in that coaching environment, I could take those skills from another part of my life, my work life, and bring it into our relationship and say, oh, well, it's not only at work that my point of view is valid. It's also in the rest of my life, too. And so when you had that awareness, what else changed for you? Wow. I think probably the biggest thing that changed was my sense of you. Because then actually it was it was such a foundational like dynamic between us of like me fe feeling inferior to your superiority before that once that was gone there was a lot of room for us to be different ways with each other and probably the biggest difference from my point of view was a, being curious about, I could be more curious about your point of view because I didn't feel like if I knew it, I had to agree with it. <laughs> and it also meant that I could listen to you with a lot more spaciousness because I wasn't going to be, I didn't have to change my attitude or point of view. I could just be standing there receiving you. Yeah, it's interesting. It makes me reflect on 
the impact for me because when we had differences of opinion, I always thought I was right and you were wrong, clearly. But I actually think that I had respect and awareness of your leadership and the things that give you confidence before you did. And one of my biggest frustrations in our relationship was wanting you to show up more fully and be a good jousting partner so we could be more creative together because your lack of confidence, it wasn't the only contributing factor, but one of the results of that is that within our marriage, despite all the love and collaboration and companionship, I felt lonely. There are a lot of ways in which I felt like I, I was my only conversation partner, both emotionally and in figuring out other things, because if I went to you, I didn't feel like you gave me your input. You just kind of, without having the posture of someone who's mousy, you just kind of acquiesced and didn't want to, like, I felt like you didn't want to deal with me if I was passionate about something that wasn't straightforward for you. So I'm really grateful that you tapped into your confidence and the fact that it happened in the context of our couples coaching is actually really significant because well, before you go on, but I, but I just want to say that that's why I can't separate it from my own personal growth and development as a person, because that confidence was, you know, continued to gradually grow compared to where I started when I was in my 20s, when I just, I felt like I was afraid of the world and all the people in it. Okay. And let's just give confidence, a context for any listener, because you were afraid of the world and all the people in it. And you were a Harvard graduate, you are a Harvard graduate, you graduated with a degree in neuroscience from Harvard, you are a well-respected physician, you were one of the only people who graduated from your residency training, having done the scheduling, still really liked by your peers, because typically whoever does the scheduling for the residents, they get resentful that their needs aren't met. And you did that in this amazing way. You are someone who is well-loved by family. I was going to say family and friends, but there haven't been a lot of people who've been friends in your life, more colleagues and family. And so by any demographic measurement or how your children perceive you or really how anyone perceives you besides you and I knew, you looked like this confident person in the world. And I just want to presence yeah. that as like you're saying in a very straightforward way that you lacked confidence, but it's actually at the time was well hidden and very vulnerable. Yeah. And I, I do think that I learned as a man, as a person in the world, how to like build the facade. And I still felt like there was a difference between how it was for me on the inside and the part of me that everybody else interacted with and saw. Yeah. And I have to say that I think my capacity to honor what your experience actually was 
there was a growth curve for me. You had a hard time believing it. <laughs> yeah. Like I think there were so many times where you, you didn't say I'm not confident because that's a confident, clear thing to say. It was much more vague and hesitant and roundabout, but my experience of you initially was so different from that, that I really didn't believe it. But once I began to believe it, then I could open up and really connect with you there which from my point of view was one of the one of the helpful things in your evolution you didn't name it and we know better than to try to convince one another but from my experience i think that welcoming the unconfident you into the relationship it's part of what i mean when i talk about being uncompromising i mean learning to love all of who you are and accept all of who you are, that when that could get some oxygen and some light within our relationship, then you could be more comfortable with that part of yourself and interact with it and transform it. That's from my perspective. Yeah. And I, for me, there was a difference between being competent and being confident. And I think it has to do with the scars that I came out of my childhood you know, the same way we talk about this identity of being a, a child of divorce, I had an identity of being a child that was bullied also. And so that was the thing that colored my interaction. I always felt like if I was myself or acted myself, I had like myself, I would have this fear that I would be attacked for it. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I do not have the identity of being a bully. And so we had hundreds, thousands of interactions in the first half, maybe even longer of our marriage, where I would say something that for me was either neutral or loving. And you would experience as bullying because you'd been bullied so much. That was the filter through which you received it. And it was really disorienting for me because I would come with kindness and your response would be to hide and I felt rejected. And that was because part of the growth and evolution in our marriage was for you to see me more clearly, which came from you doing your work so that you opened to a possibility to hear what I was saying as other than bullying. And yeah, I, I had to shed, do the work of my own work to shed that filter of being bullied by whoever I was interacting with. Yeah. And I want to say something, <laughs> which is that, that that was challenging and it created growth for you and for me, because in the process, I needed to get really clear and clean in my communications and be right with who I am because I wasn't getting the validation from you because to you, it felt like I was bullying you. But let's just like step back a minute and set the context. There are two things to say. One is that you had really good experiences being in therapy before we met. And I had good experiences being in therapy before we met. And so for me, I always looked forward to having couples therapy or couples coaching. Like for me, it wasn't, there was no shame. It wasn't like, oh, if we need coaching, that must mean we're in bad. No, it's that 
we had each had such great experiences individually of having a professional help us respectively put attention on our process and our understanding and our growth. And so much good came of that, that I always really looked forward to when we would do couples coaching and be able to give our relationship the same kind of attention that we had individually benefited from. That's one thing that was true, you know, from the day we got married. And also we were both so clear kind of when I think of it now, astonishingly clear that the foundation of our relationship, the thing that absolutely bonded us to one another was our own and one another's commitment to personal growth. Like we knew we could Somehow have- Somehow we knew that. <laughs> we did. And I actually think it was kind of because we knew the fact that we loved one another so much was not enough to make a relationship last. Like our parents loved one another when they each got married. Having shared education, common background, like all the different things that can make it simple to continue- a relationship, we knew it wasn't going to be enough. But being committed to our own personal growth, that has taken us so far because whatever arises, there's a way to use it. Yeah. And, and it has meant that we've had different phases, you know, the same way that we've lived in a lot of different homes in our life. Right. We've, <laughs> we've, this is our eighth home we, together. We, we, we have had kind of like different versions of our relationship along the way and found each other in, you know, because I was a different person every five or 10 years and so were you. So we kind of re-fell in love and, and recommitted ourselves to each other. Yeah, which is actually interesting. When I interviewed Sarah and Marco Longoria, whose interviews actually, it dropped last week. One of the things that Marco said, who was not specifically devoted to personal growth, whereas his wife, Sarah is, is that he married one woman and then he found himself in a marriage with a completely different woman because she had grown so much. And that was incredibly challenging for him. And he needed to figure out how he wanted to navigate that. And they talk about that really beautifully. But I don't actually feel like that has ever arisen. Like, yes, I could name the different phases of Rod. Like you have grown and evolved in so many ways. And I feel like I have too, both because of the inherent growth and evolution that happens and because of the different circumstances that we've navigated. Because together, while we've been together, yes, we have moved eight times due to various things, due to school or training ending, due to financial challenges, due to being in a position to honor our desires. Like it's been different things every time. While we've been together, each of my parents have died. We had a child together who died. We have four vibrant living children. And that's just some of what we have experienced together. We, we, <laughs> we followed a con artist who is now in federal prison. We, we have done a lot. We have had a lot of incredible adventures and there's not a single one that has 
truly gotten us down because of our devotion to personal growth, there's always a way to see how the individual and shared challenges can be used to evolve and heal and claim more power, more magnetism and, and be have better sex. Yeah, and be clear that way that we did it before is not how we're gonna do it going forward for whatever the it is. Yeah, and so I'm just wondering, is there any part of you that has some flavor of what Marco described where it's like, hey, I want the old Alexandra back. Have you ever felt that way? No, not at all. I, I feel like I am so, I, get, I am happier and happier with who I am and more and more comfortable in my skin. And I'm happier and happier with who you are and how you're showing up. And, and the same thing with this relationship home that we live in together. So I, for me, it's, it keeps getting better and better. So, you know, it's funny because I was anticipating that we would do this interview. We're going to be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. And, you know, that sort of has the flavor of Valentine's Day and hearts and to reminisce about what it was like to be in a white dress. And we do have a very special celebration planned at one of the finest hotels in the Bay Area. Like we're gonna have a really magical time. But in fact, when we reflect on our 25 years together, it's not rainbows and unicorns and lots of pink. No, it's been like really pushed hard by, by experiences and growing and looking to each other for help at key times and and receiving that help from each other. Yeah, and you know, the things that are the most um, sweet and heartfelt that I wanna say about our relationship, really it's the reflections from our children because, mm. yeah, you know, if you listen to some of the earlier episodes, you'll know, that one of my biggest motivations for really up-leveling all the flavors of intimacy in our marriage is sure, because I wanted to enjoy that, but I felt even more strongly wanting to create a legacy for our children. And I really do feel that the very best thing that I can do for children in the future of the world is to teach their parents how to have absolutely fantastic, incredible, passionate relationships. And so like it, it warms my heart. It, it brings tears when I think of some of the things that I'm about to share right now. Our youngest, when he was eight, was at the skate park and the way we have figured things out during the pandemic, either you're with him or I'm with him, but we're really never together hanging out, at least out of our home. And so I don't know what it was that inspired the questions, but a bunch of the older kids there asked our son if his parents were divorced. Like, I guess they'd never seen us together. So they asked if we're divorced. And he just, he told me he looked at them 
And he just laughed. He said, no, it's the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) It is the opposite. That's right. (laughs) And then I think of our oldest. This is from a few years ago, but she she's 24 now. And I don't know, maybe when she was 20 or 21, she was having a conversation with some of her really good friends and one thing led to another and they were like every one of them said that they had never seen their parents kiss or it just been like some formal peck on the cheek as they left and she she was just astonished she's like I see my parents making out in the kitchen all the time and I think as a teenager it was a little bit embarrassing and then it was just like normal you know the sky is blue and we have eggs for breakfast and my parents make out in a pretty romantic intense way in the kitchen from time to time so she shifted from it being awkward to it just being normal to now having so much gratitude for how much passion we have and that it's not like hidden away for Saturday nights only, that it's just part of the feeling of our relationship, which is available for any of our children to experience. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a good example of how it had to be okay for us and and we had to be right with it. And we had to be right with having it be, being that way in front of the children. And now with them talking about it with other people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Each each phase having its own challenges because yes, like we never ever ever used to do that. And I never had any of that comfort and ease modeled for me in relationships that I had, so it's been part of my growth too. Yeah, and I think for me um there was a point at which like I knew how to feel fantastic and really feel gladness about my life and feel magnetic as a woman when I was at workshops and retreats. And then I feel like I learned how to bring that home and we began to just totally transform and up-level our intimate life. But that still left the vast majority of my hours feeling kind of dry. And so I, especially when I was full-time at home for many years, but even now where I'm full-time at home, but that's because of the pandemic, I'm, I'm working a lot of hours. I just, I wanted the juiciness and the joy and the magnetism, not necessarily to make out all the time. That actually doesn't interest me. I'd rather do it sometimes, but I want to have a kind of vibrancy and joy and sparkle throughout the day. And in order to do that, that needs to be available for the children to perceive it. And I feel like these are just some examples of the personal growth steps that each of us has gone through also. And I just feel like if I think about the process that we went through with each little facet of ourselves, it was really, you know, becoming aware of 
being dissatisfied with how things were and then looking you know having the belief that it could change and 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 uh, and supporting each other in that change and then looking around for how to to change it and we've found different sources and inspiration but the result is that you know once you start to change 10 20 30 facets of yourself you you are kind of a different person and we are in a different relationship yeah although you're talking about there being things that didn't work for us, like basically problems that then inspired the growth and evolution that we both appreciate. But I also think some things were very, very important that were not problems. And I, I really think that one of the most impactful things early on in our growth and evolution and successful communication and so forth was Sunday evenings when we were both fourth year medical students with a lot of responsibilities on call overnight and we had an infant and that made for a lot of scheduling difficulties and logistics because some weeks I would need to be in the hospital at 6 a.m. and you needed to be there at 6.30 some night, some months one of us was overnight. Anyway, it was all very complex and there was always the possibility that our daughter Josephine would be sick and one of us would need to stay home. And so we used to get out our calendars on Sundays and decide what time our nanny would arrive based on who needed to leave when, who would be relieving the nanny, who would be warming up dinner, which typically I would cook a week's worth of meals on Sundays, like who would be attending to all of the different responsibilities. And I think that there wasn't a problem but that was a context which was actually emotionally safe. And we both were completely supportive of one another being successful as parents and medical students. And we needed to learn to be considerate of one another, which I don't actually think was the challenge for us, either of us, but we also really needed to be clear on our own needs and making sure that we each got what we needed in all of that logistical planning, which for both of us, was the more challenging element. And I think that that just gave us hours and hours of practice in learning to focus on our own needs respectively, express them, honor one another without compromising, but really learning to collaborate and co-create the logistics. And that communicate. We, and communicate and not just take things for granted and Every week we did that building on, oh, but you never told me from the week before and then learning to speak it. I, I think that was one of the things that truly was impactful for us. But in any case, I want to also say that you have listened to the intro of this podcast where Anyone listening, if you started at the beginning, you heard me say that if you want to have an incredibly fantastic relationship, I'll show you how. And in my opinion, I am showing you how because all people, but especially women, learn from stories. And when it comes to relationships, our primary way of learning is through modeling. And so in sharing my stories and in interviewing other couples and hearing their stories, that's one of the 
main ways that I am showing you how. And then I also ask couples for some specific guidelines and tips and tools that can be implemented. And as I do more solo episodes, I'll definitely be sharing more explicit tips and tools. So that's how I'm thinking about it. But meanwhile, my Harbor trained neuroscientist physician husband heard that and it's like, you know, I really love the podcast, but you're not exactly showing people how, which really made me laugh because early on in our relationship, where's the manual? That's right. Rod wanted to know where's the manual to know how to have a great marriage. Where's the manual if to I know? Just read it. I'll be set. Right. Cause you do your homework. You would have read the manual and then like if, if then we can put all the pieces together in the right way. <laughs> yes, exactly. And actually that's something that I've used with clients because we found our way out of this. And now you could write the manual on how to be a good husband to me because you are so good at it. But I have assigned multiple clients, particularly women who feel really frustrated with how they're men interact with them. So, you know, if you're listening and you are a woman and you feel like, and you're in a relationship with a man and you feel like he just doesn't get how you, how to interact with you successfully, go ahead and write a manual, just like an electronics manual, that simple, that straightforward, tell him how to show up. Tell me what to do, because I'd be happy to do it if I just knew what you wanted. <laughs> right. The fact is, I've given that assignment, and it has been revolutionary and brought all kinds of insights, but it is a very rare woman who actually will write it out, because for most women, it's so much more intuitive, and it comes from a felt sensibility. <laughs> So honoring that you're all about having the manual and wanting to know how in that very specific restricted way, let's have you give a little bit of how in the Rod style. If for somebody who wants to really mm, enjoy their relationship, give us a few hows that would go in a manual. Yeah, I, well, I've been deliberate to inject them as we've been going along, I have to say, but let's see what else I would add. So one how is as a man to take on the role, it's, this is cliche, but it's so true, uh, not, not as the fixer of my partner's problems, but as the listener while she takes something from inside her and puts it out into the room. Just giving myself permission to listen and the fact that I am listening, I am fulfilling my job. I am fulfilling my duty 100%. There's nothing else I need to do. I, I took a long time to have confidence that would be enough but I have had enough experience to see, oh, you speak, you say, I wanna just talk about my day and what happened today. And at the end 
of you saying all of that, I don't see the logic. I don't understand why that's what you need to say necessarily. But at the end of, of your speaking, there's this exhale that happens for both of us. <sighs> and I feel like, oh, we're at the end of something. And then I look at you and you're ready to move on. Apparently something was accomplished and we're good. And, and trusting that process, experiencing that process a number of times through and then trusting it, that has been, but, but learning my part of that, that's been a big important tool to be the listener and have that be a good job, a good and complete job. Okay, I love so much that you said that. And actually, I think that one point is enough to take somebody very far. And the beauty of a podcast is that we can share one or two points in each one, like clear takeaways like that in every episode. And of course, I have created a manual and it's called the Aligned and Hot Marriage Program. So if you're somebody who really wants instruction by all means do it yeah it's in the show notes and that is the manual that is designed the way that men women and anybody else learn and understand with clear takeaways like the kind rogers demonstrated and more stories and examples and teaching by demonstration so i think with that We'll wrap it up. You are sure to be a guest that I invite back and I'll be telling lots of stories about you in coming episodes. So I'm really happy that listeners can hear your voice and know the man that I'm speaking about. Happy anniversary to us. Yes, I guess that's how we'll end. Happy anniversary to us. And I guess I'll just say one more thing, which is that initially my devotion to really creating this dynamic, passionate marriage was for the legacy we'd leave our children. And then the more and more I got into it, the more I could just enjoy it for myself. And I do now think that because of the work that I do and my purpose in the world, that our marriage also is a gift for others because I used to not share anything about it and then I started to sprinkle in little you were stories. more secretive than I. <laughs> yes. But then I started to share stories like the kinds we've shared today. And again and again and again, my private clients, when I would ask them what stood out in the three, six, or nine months that we'd coached together, and more often than not, actually the men would say, the stories that you share about you and Rod were really helpful. In fact, in my mind, I have a memory of a man who's an engineer saying that to me. So that's where I get my confidence that this is actually showing people how. How to. And with that, raise your glass for us. And we'll certainly be doing that. Actually, this episode is going to drop March 3rd and our anniversary is March 2nd. So by the time you listen, we will have been in our glory and ready for the next 25 years. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Marriage Podcast. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. It really makes a difference. 
And if you have a question or a comment, reach out to me via my website at alexanderstockwell.com.